Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one book boy, standing six foot two, three hundred and something pounds from the south shore of Nassau County, Long Island. It's John Gabris. All you gotta do is trust me. Jackson, Maine, you're still here? I can't believe I'm even still doing this introduction, no less you still being here. Abortion is healthcare. Fair enough, brother. If you're gonna bring up good points like that, keep coming back. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, my only silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout-out. Arthur's in the living room, snoring on the couch. He can't even hear that I'm recording. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, fellow HeadGum family, from the root tales of magic, we got Tim Blatt. Hey! Hey! What the, did, you, did you see that? Did you see that thing flying by going, hey, hey, hey? <laughs> you must have not seen it because, Noah, it's too high above the frame of the Zoom. <laughs> but I heard it. It was a bird. It was a plane. It's Tim Platt, motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, hello. Well, sir. Hello. Speaking of spotting a bird, I will say I get a lot of unusual pitches for topics when I discuss with my guests ahead of time. But- Yours just saying, looking at birds. I'm yeah. familiar with the expression bird watching or birding, but just the idea of looking at birds is so perfect for High and Mighty because it's like as raw, basic, you know, as as like primal as it's it's so diluted, diluted down into just like there's a bird. Let's look at it. Let's not journal. Let's not take photos. Just look at the fucking thing. We know not to dive right into it, but this is a thing where, like, I say it like that because the moment I got into bird watching, I like started following certain accounts on Twitter and Instagram and stuff and stuff like that, and like immediately it became clear to me that this thing that I discovered as like a very nice pastime, a very like a uh, connective, natural, a way to connect with nature, no matter where you are in the city or in a new city or on the road or in the country, I quickly saw that like birding and bird watching ha- was like 
as socially complex as any other, as improv, as comedy, <laughs> as like as any other creative pursuit I've ever been a part of. And there was like infighting and sort of like mores and sort of like certain people you didn't want to be like and like memes and jokes about stuff. And I was just like, I this is something that I cannot have be connected to any sort of hierarchy or social inclining or social or honestly social awareness and so i do say looking at birds because if i say birding some people get activated and they're like and they start talking about that to me, which i'm into like i'm frankly into it but like it is not my world and the moment you step you know the moment you step into something with like even the suggestion of obsessiveness you suddenly have like a pathway towards a whole community that some of it's cool but I can't, I can't, I can't make, that I can't make my life. You're actively avoiding a touch of that community is what we're yes. saying. It's almost as if like I go for a fucking withering, disgusting jog once a week or every night after work versus I'm a runner. And now all of a sudden you're like, got to talk to other runners and runner memes. And uh, are you wearing zero drop shoes? And it's like all this. And it's like, you go from like just looking at birds to like, Oh, so your favorite bird is the blue-footed booby? Uh, all right, you fucking prick. You know, or like you're doing it wrong, or you're you're du- or someone has like, and like sharing anything, like anything that you do earnestly is like in a public means these days is like a disaster. <laughs> and so yeah. it, it's like keeping it something that is just for you is like a very pow. It feels like cartoonishly powerful to not turn birding in to not turn looking at birds into content a podcast its own instagram it's uh tiktok like to just do it for you feels like a like it feels like oh i'm just writing a novel that i'm gonna no one's gonna read like there, it feels like a huge thing these days to just keep something to yourself <laughs> oh yeah and like you know of course you step into it and you like any means to connect with people is cool, you know, and like, and just to find a different way. And if someone's more, uh, if someone else is into birding and talking about birds and looking about birds, I'm going to enjoy talking about it. But it's that one step farther where they're like, here's, have you seen this? Did you go to this place? Do you know this thing? When like that one thing that clicks my head and I'm like, I'm, at, we've, we've, I was into this to connect with you. I was not into this to like start competing. I went to a Yankees game. Um, uh, oh, I'm yeah. an Orioles fan. I had my Orioles hat. I went to an Orioles. The Orioles were playing the Yankees. And the guy next to me was like getting into fights all around. He was like really an aggressive dude. Um, and he was looking for, he was like trying to get into fights with everyone. He turns to me, big Yankees fan. And he goes like, so why Orioles? And I go, you yeah, know, that's where I, you know, where I grew up. And like, you know, it's my home team. And he's like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I, like, I could tell I wasn't giving him enough of what he wanted. And then he went like, well, if, so if you're an Orioles fan, then like, let me ask you if you're this. If you're unbiased, let me ask you this. And he like, he asked me some in the weeds thing about something the Yankees had done recently, some trade, something that some very in the weeds baseball thing. And I remember <laughs> saying. You know, man, I just don't know. I don't follow it like that. I just like going to the games. Uh, and I remember seeing, I remember saying, I don't follow it like that. And he just gave up on me. I just, I saw, this guy was getting <laughs> fights with everyone. And I saw, like, he was trying to get a fight. And by just by saying, I don't follow it like that, he he couldn't even, it, 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 it was, I've never forgotten it. It wasn't, it was like, it was well, there real was some. Pa- some element of reading him to his core too. There, it, it like 
it is uh it is pretty sassy because it's like you're saying like that in a in a powerful way that makes him self-analyze of like why am i asking this stranger about a trade like what the fuck i'm broken and I, you bring up something off slightly off topic but in re- something i think about a lot the exciting thing about sports fandom is it's like the last bastion of like well go fuck yourself okay and like and it's like still kind of positive and there's oh. something fu- fun about that and then there's just guys who ruin that vibe like it's like i i would love to see a, be at a giants game and someone has a raider like whatever they're playing like that's that fun rivalry happens and you're like this is the last bastion of like all right asshole that was this one's yours you know and then people who just take that like one notch too far and you're like god damn like i don't need to get punched but if i'm wearing an, a, a, a yankees hat at an orioles game i hope people turn to me when the orioles get a home run and give me the thumbs down you know like that's that's like the fun and then there's just a guy always uh, surprisingly enough always a guy uh who just takes it a touch too far and is like you're you're here for you have anger that's displaced and put for some reason onto the pinstripes bro <laughs> i went to a different orioles game at yankee stadium and i remember this one and i was worried because it's last time this guy got into it i was like what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and all that happens is that like every sort of vendor i go to they go like, all right, have a nice day. And then they see my hat and they go, actually, don't have a nice day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's perfect. <laughs> it, it was always like, it was a very like verbal, like, oh, hey, I hope you have a bad day. Um, But, you know, have a good one. <laughs> you know, but it was like, I was so, tr- I was, it was, it was, it was like really every vendor I went to. And it was so, after that last experience, I was really expecting people to be more aggressive instead of this very like, Hey man, fuck you. I hope you have a really bad time today. Um, but see you later. <laughs> yeah, here's your nachos, uh, sir. Yeah. <laughs> also, That's, yeah. So also, I went to a Wizards game at the Nets stadium, uh, and different f- types of fandom. But the net, but the Wizards were losing so bad. Every time I like made a loud yell for the team in a way that was in any way like, hey, we got the next one, guys. Like it's coming around. It's coming around. <laughs> you just make friends. By like you, you made friends by sort of being, I know I'm losing, but you guys know I have to be like like the performance space of the arena of being in an arena is crazy to me. It's so like everyone's well, so visible. You saying like in this method, you're like cheering for the Nets, but conveying that you're a Wizards fan is like it's like a, a weird thre- a needle that you're threading because you're like. Uh, I'm currently, uh, it's like self-effacing in a way that fandom like appreciates and basketball feels like more than any other uh, uh, live sports you feel fully on display. Like it's just like you can like make eye contact with someone across the court and be like, there's that Orioles fan. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, it's fun is uh, when you're like a fan of the opposing team in this stadium, the power and you, cause you know, you're always trying to. I'm always trying to get a laugh somehow. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, a sta- <laughs> and what I learned is when you're at a stadium like that, and you're and the the, the winning team or the home team does something well, just going no. Yeah, yeah. Well, because <laughs> what you're saying is like you're you're putting yourself in the bed. Ba- oh no, James Bond escaped. Oh no, Superman <laughs> is here to break up. You know, like you're. You're saying something technically antagonistic to what's going on, but really you're you're 
you know, you're putting yourself under it. You're making yourself it's so and people love that shit. Or like overly excited when uh like, you know, when the wizards are super down and something stupid happens. Like that that's always a winner of like, there we go, boys. That's exactly what we're looking for. A nice holding on first down. Let's go, team. Yeah. Like yeah, they they make the first basket in like five minutes and you get like, see, we're coming back. Here see, it is. We're coming back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Rally caps, boys. Rally caps. Here it comes. <laughs> I got I was really into the NBA as a kid. Um, that's how I made friends basketball. Um, uh, cause I like learned, well, this is, this weaves into stuff actually. Um, I got in, uh, when I was a kid, I was very solitude. I liked to pretend to be animals a lot and like play, <laughs> pretend a lot and getting I into I believe ba- that was one of the other, uh, uh, titles, the subjects you threw out besides, in addition to looking at birds was pretending to be animals. And yeah, I was I like, whole- this is primal and raw and I'm here for it. <laughs> I had like a way to track that through a bunch of stuff and maybe it will fall back in but like you know i i, pl- I played pretend a lot as a kid um in the exclusion in the exclusion of making friends and basketball was a way for me to like connect with other boys basically it was like a liking basketball but then b like being on the court figuring out that you could be a certain type just by your body type you were a oh i'm a forward or a center and that's how i fit in with this group it, it did like teach me social awareness how do you fit in with a group of people like i have my role here oh i'm not a great scorer but i can get a lot of rebounds so that means i'm valued to this group of like five or six boys very it was like very important to me then like i got older and stopped caring and got back into the nba during covid because it was on you know the bubble was on all the time and i got really got i was like why did i stop watching this i'm loving this so much and i started listening to podcasts and reading sports and then like Step by step, we saw those sports fans that you're talking about. We were like, I was like, why did I stop watching? This is so much fun. Oh, why is this guy guy being so rude to this one player? <laughs> this guy's being really rude to this. this that guy's being oh, every there's a culture around people being really rude to Russell Westbrook. I don't I don't he seems nice. <laughs> you know, like there's like a, I, I was I felt so naive because I stepped back and being like, I can't believe I ever was turned astray. And I was like, oh, I forgot some of the worst people in the world make this their entire emotional lives. God, I could write a fucking thesis on how other people, uh, other fans of things ruin my things that I'm fans of, like uh, oh, yeah. improv, movies, comics, like all the sure. shit that I've always I loved. Just looking to my left and right and seeing the fans I'm amongst has like, ru- arguably I'm like, eh, I I I have a distinct memory. I I host an action movie podcast. I'm a big movie fan. Go to the movies all the time. I live in L.A. It's very movie bro haven. I was there seeing some movie with my buddy Ben Rogers. The Tenet trailer played. This is way back pre-pandemic, obviously. And the Tenet trailer played, and I just look at Raj and I'm like, oh, I'm stoked for this movie. But two guys in front of us turn and fucking high five and say like fucking Nolan or something like that. And I I looked at him. I'm like, that makes me just want to not see the movie, dude. And he's like, what's wrong with us? Also, that like they weren't even being like rude either. It was like and that's when you start realizing, am I policing how other people are fans of things? Be- rude behavior is one thing, but I find myself getting caught up in like we pump the brakes. This is like you're too much of a fan. It's creeping me out. Yeah, it's hard because I feel like there's versions of being healthy about that and versions of of letting it really affect enjoying something that you enjoy. And that's like and that's a hard line to cross. Like I remember 
I was, I am, and was a big X Men fan. I was really into the comics and there a lot of like the early comics, and I like got really obsessive about reading all the old stuff. Let me jam in mo- real quick here because I too, yeah. and I think I learned everything I know about teams from like X Men, and I think that's why I've gravitated towards sketch group, improv, D and D, even sports feels like and like earlier when you were saying oh i'm a forward i'm a center i'll stand over here i almost said that and it makes you feel like the x-man you're like i'm the big fat strong guy i'm colossus so i have to play left guard he's fast and agile so he's nightcrawler the tailback and like we work well together but we each have our strengths and our weakness and like that helped me like unpack social structure so and like so i just want to smash these two ideas together for Oh, I mean, that's, but that was true too. Oh, Nightcrawler, he's like, he's kind of a freak, but he's funny and nice and everyone likes him. So even though I'm kind of a freak, maybe everyone can like me if I'm a little, <laughs> like, like, like that was. Oh that yeah, was especially po- X-Men, because it is a gathering of freaks and you're like, I feel like a freak. Me and all my friends are freaks, but we have fun and shit together. That's so sick, you know? And it's like, X-Men really spoke to me when I was young. And I'm like a white, straight middle-class blue-collar kid from new york i'm like there's nothing on paper weird about me but i was from an era where i was one of the weirdest kids in my school being like as basic as i fucking am here and x-men spoke to me so much so when you said that it just triggered a whole shit ton of memories (laughs) i mean that stuff i mean you know it's also very upset. It's also very, how do these things fit? What are the variations? I mean, this is also burdening too. What are the variations of things and how do they connect and relate to each other? And which ones can you observe? And which ones do you like? And which ones, what are the slight variations of this? Oh, there's different types of strong guys. Oh, there's different types of psychics. There's different types of, you know, uh, you know, uh, Betsy Braddock has like a telepathy or, but not, uh, Wait, you know what I mean? She she can make the the the, the side blade, but the, the she side blade she can't like read minds. Uh, yes, or, yeah. she, or or something like that. You know, yeah. like there's all those different versions of it. Well, are, are, now we're touching yeah, on something else that maybe is not what you're talking about. But like, I know you're a table topper as well. So like, oh yeah, rules and like sure, like not exactly rules, but world rules. Like X Men, that shit worked on me so much. Of like, well. They're pa- so when like a character like Longshot you first read about and it's like, whoa, how does he have control over luck? It's a gate. It's a rule. I can't. It's a power. I can't understand. And understanding all that, it like was always so intriguing to me and understanding people's limitations and who could help with what and who could do what like that shit all tr- triggered me all the time. I, I always think about even now when it's like uh, Nightcrawler can only teleport to a place he sees. And if he goes with somebody else, it's really hard. It hurts them. And it's also really hard for him, too. Like, that's such a cool limitation. Even in the movie, in the Wolverine, in the first X-Men movie, it hurts when his claws come out. Oh, that's right. like, that is a limitation. That means he's, like, enduring something to do his cool thing. That's exciting. Phoenix getting out of control. That's, like, scary. That's like, yeah. oh, you Ro- want Rogue un- unable to touch anyone without her yeah. gloves. You know, like that shit all hit. Uh, uh, and, and not to mention, I had an insane crush on Rogue. That's neither here nor there. That's just something sure. I've always been dealing with. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I, I understand. I, I had a crush on Mystique. It was, uh, she's, she's blue. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Very, 
very cool. <laughs> but I mean, I guess what I was saying is that I got oh, into sorry, those. Yeah. I, I watched those X. No, no, please, please, please. Fucking one of the best theme songs to a show ever. Um, the uh, yeah, one of the coolest things I've ever heard is that. That's very cool. So cool. But I got when the movies came out, loved the first X Men, loved the second X Men. The third one was like a miss for me. I think culturally is agreed to be a miss, but I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum if they liked it. Then the next one, I forget what it was. There was a next one that came out that I remember specifically being like, I think these movies aren't for me. Where I was like, I think I care too much about these characters where I'm going into these <laughs> movies and I'm getting mad. I'm getting mad because these characters aren't the way I see these characters. And it felt, I mean, I'm, I give myself credit for, in this instance, being like mature about it. Where it's like, I can't, I can't go into these movies and get mad. That's not fair to me. That's not fair to the movie. That's not fair to people who like the movie. I think I just shouldn't watch the X-Men movies because I'm going to get mad in a way that like isn't actually about the arts of it at all right and now right, i feel right. i feel a little more open to it now but still with most comic book movies they have a similar feeling of like i'm going to enjoy it only to a certain point until it crosses my internal desires for these characters and that's just not fair to anyone you know right well yeah it is like there is like an element of growing up in there where you're like okay they're they're not for me and because I, I i distinctly had a moment where i was like if I told like twelve year old Gabrus, you there's two Star Wars movies and two Marvel movies coming out every year and you're grown up and you're annoyed by them, he'd be yeah. like, Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're your favorite thing. And I'd be like, I know, but it's not reaching the heights I want. And they're like, Then why are you annoyed? Shouldn't you at least just be like quietly disappointed? And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's probably the right thing is to go in going, It's not the comics I grew up on, but it is cool to see thor like that should just be where my brain is at but instead i'm like this is the disassembling of the modern cinema and i'm like uh, you know what just fucking drop it man it don't go or go like just make the fucking choice it's so easy it's so easy to like police your own fandom other people's fandom like and then you're like all i'm doing is guaranteeing that none of us are enjoying this like and I, i'm making it worse on myself i'm making my experience worse by these weird choices so that's true, though I will also say that if you went to yourself as a kid and said, like, they're like, what are you talking about? Why? It's just, that's amazing. And you go, like, yeah, but they did this thing with that character. Like, I bet you, young, you would be like, well, they can't do that. Right, right. <laughs> no, they kept on doing that. No, no, no. But, but they can't do that. <laughs> right. Know, like, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I do think that does connect to, like, gaming and D&D stuff, because I do feel like that is because there is like a sort of pick your own version of how you want this stuff to be done and now there's so much media where these different creators have picked their own versions of how they like stuff to be done and that is reflected to audiences who participate in the thing themselves where they pick their own version of how things are be done i do think there is a version of people at least listening to gaming media that is a lot like sports fandom where it yeah. is like because it's very much like you know these people do, I mean, first there's a quality. You want to see people do stuff well. And so your version, and when you see people doing well, you're like, well, these people are the best at this thing, or these people are the best at this thing. But you also want to see like, 
oh, well, this is my favorite team because I like how they play with each other. This is my favorite era of the X-Men because these characters and how they interact. And there's something right. like primally good about the way these characters, you know, this was a, a X-Men in the school for me is better than X-Men in space because I think X-Men should always be in a school. So this one's in a school. So it's a better act like. Right. And right. that and the way that but the way that that becomes articulated in like social social media or just like how people talk about you know, the versions of the games they like, the, the types of teams they like, the types of media that they like, it becomes very sports fandom where it's like, these are my guys or these are my people, you know, right. these are my, yeah. this is my team. Um, right. And, the, and they're like, well, what about when your team did this? Like, yeah, but that was only one time the team did this and they actually got better by doing the team. You know, you know, it's like there is a sort of sports athletic team fandom and that's simply because, I mean, you can be a fan of a sport and participate in the sport, too. You can be a fan of these games and participate in the games yourself. Well, there's also you even wanna... less because of the subjectivity of the kind of stuff we're talking about now. It's even like the the barrier between the guy screaming, uh, um, fucking play some defense at, uh, at a basketball. He can't join the NBA. He can yeah. go play with the basketball with his friends. But with like tabletop gaming fandom or any of that, like you almost can do oh, that. Oh, yeah. You and you're like, can. why aren't you dual wielding as a ranger? And it's like, well, I should just dual wield as a ranger, or it should be, hey, if I want to tune in to these this these people uh, playing tabletop, maybe I should just be okay with whatever they choose to wield. You know, I'll root for them to win and have fun and all that, but I don't really have like I shouldn't have that level of stakes. I shouldn't let, or at least I shouldn't let it negatively affect my enjoyment. Yeah, well, it's been a learning experience for me because, you know, so I'm a cast member on the podcast Rude Tales of Magic uh, on, the yeah. Headcom, on the Headcom Network and also uh, oh, These Those Stars of Space, uh, which is sort of a lasers and feelings type game. Um, type game is what it is, while the other ones we is very extremely loosely Dungeons and Dragons. But I didn't play these games before really making the podcast, you know? Oh, fun. I like. I had done some. I had done some Vampire the Masquerade in high school. Of course, um, <laughs> everyone uh, experiments. Was, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was a. I was, you know, me, me being a Malkavian in high school is like <laughs> the, 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 they're crazy. They're like you know they're they're so mad, but they told the but they actually tell the truth. Um, that I was very into that, but I didn't really play these games until. Ba I mean, I did, we did a few sessions before we started recording, but basically since I started recording. And I really just was treating it as an improv performance exercise and really had to be told to learn the rules and be like, you know, because I remember Branson was like, you don't have to just come play and we'll figure out the rules in real time. And I was like, OK, cool. And then eventually he's <laughs> like, you got to learn the rules, man. You're like, we, we, it's taking too much editing. <laughs> like, you have to learn the rules. I was like, all right, like, fine, I'll learn the rules. Imagine getting past the ball in basketball and being like, all right, so what am I allowed to do with this here? And it's like, all right, man, you, we love having you here, but you got to learn dribbling and you got to learn. <laughs> yes, basically, which is like, you know, uh, I, I can't apologize for it. It's like what my what I'm into for this. So it's like that's right. that's I'm into role play. I'm into acting. I'm into improv. Um, I'm, uh, I'm into loosely fantasy. And so learning about the rules and then realizing how much that mattered to different people was a real learning curve for me. Because I was like, I didn't, because, you know, I didn't care. I didn't care. You know, like, I right. just wanted to play pretend. If we took out the roles and just, like, we're doing a bat, that was, you know, that's that's what I would be there for. Right. And yeah. as time has gone by, I've really learned to, like, oh, what how exciting this is, what this means for storytelling, what this means for group think and, like, group dynamics. I've, I've been won over by what that means. And for people who come from a different perspective than I do, where like those, 
rules and those mechanisms, and even like the sort of the pastiche of the fantasy genre, creates such a more open and like heartfelt improvisation that can happen in like a long form for right. many people because of that. Those of like just that narrowing process, of like you you can trust on these things to sort of get through it. I've really become like open to how exciting and creative this gaming can be, but it was also never the reason I got, that wasn't the reason I got into it. And it is, it, I still struggle when I'm participating in like conversations about macro gaming stuff to be like, well, where do, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like I don't, yeah. I have a different kind of an investment, you know, which is, it's. That's interesting. Cause the, I, I was talking about some, something about this recently. We we're talking about the rules and there's something about the rules that are freeing for some people and seemingly limiting for other people. Like where they're yeah. like, and it's like, if you like, we talk, I, we had like extended conversation about it. It's like, well, if there, there are rules to life and it's like, no, there's not. You can literally do whatever you want. It's like you could, but then you would have like people around you would have less fun. So Matt, carry that over to D and D. And then the main thing someone one time said is like, yes, without rails, you can go anywhere, but with rails, you can go pretty fast, safely in one direction. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, that kind of helps. Like giving it rails gives it like a, a, a narrative or, you know, gives you a driving force. The thing I hate about when people use when people's entire enjoyment of the game, no matter what the game is now, but I'm, I'm still talking tabletop, but you could blow this out to uh, RPGs, uh, board games, anything when people use the rules and like loophole the rules and harness the rules to like break the game in a way that's positively breaking the game for them to win or whatever you know what i mean like yeah yeah like just like play used to play diablo with my friend jp and we always joked he like broke every game we played we were diehard star wars customizable card game kids like we were obsessed oh, with yeah, that yeah. game and my buddy jp just made a dagobah deck that was the least fun way to play but would always practically win and it was like, he's like, this rules. And I'm like, this is so unfun, dude. And he's like, no, this is how you play the game. It's it's within the rules. And I'm like, okay, now we need to start talking about like the spirit of the rules and the spirit of the game. But then there are other people who are like, ah, fuck it. Da, da, da. And you're like, I grew up loving the rules because I love the world. I love knowing, like, I love hearing like, oh shit, kobolds, those are only D4 hit points. We should be Gucci, you know? Like, I like knowing stuff like that, but now when I play, I'm purely coming at it, like, I exclusively when I play now, also, it's, like, recorded for entertainment purposes. Yeah, so now yeah. I'm like, all right, you're not going to catch me really digging in on the rules here. You're going to catch me going, let's keep it entertaining, folks. We're making fucking, we're making a product. We're making a show. And then I'll, I, I'll, I'll play, but then I'm going to mostly be thinking about that. I'm going to be making choices that I think are funny rather than, like, I... I'm the war. I we need to, we need to rescue this princess. That is going to be so not as paramount as it used to be for me. Now that we're recording and putting it out for our for entertainment purposes. Yeah, and like you know, and I will say I do. We've all been thrilled by the moment when someone's like, "Okay, well, this happens to you," and then someone's like, "But wait, actually, I do have this thing." And you did say that this thing does this thing before, and they're like, "Right, okay, I did." But in this situation, everyone's like, "I know, but you, but that did." But you did say, okay, sure. Okay, well, like, that that's sort of yeah, like-, like Oh, um, actually, Dodge does get added to Breath Weapon. And you're like, oh, okay, that's actually pretty fucking cool or whatever. You know, like you find that thing where you're like, 
or someone, especially if someone else brings it up. Hey, Tim, don't you have the necklace of blink or whatever? Maybe now would be a time to you. You have to charge a day or whatever. And you're like, yes, yes, that would be perfect. It is. I mean, I, I guess it's like it's what is fun is a status negotiation. What is fun is a status swap, you know? And so if rules can help with that in a way that is dramatic, then it's fun, you know, where it's like, here's what's happening. Actually, my friend, it's not happening because this thing that I have that you know about is something that I'm using right now. This is a, but you were, but I was in control and now you're in control. What? Like, I mean, I love a status switch. That's like the best part about improv is playing with right. status, yeah, I think, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, but it, it is true. I feel like, you know, when I started doing improv, I was really resentful of rules. I was really, I don't think I was a great improv student, even though I think I was good at improv. I think I, I mean, I'll say it. <laughs> Anyone who knew me at the time can tell me if I'm wrong, but like, <laughs> wow, we're getting, I was, somehow I'm getting tons of messages right now. People disagree. They said you were all, <laughs> no, okay. I'm sorry. This is a live Twitch. I didn't, I should have told you that. <laughs> yeah, but that's actually cool. Cause I've always liked lists of my foes. <laughs> so now, right. got, no, oh, now we've got a screenshot of everyone. I have yeah. to hunt down one by one. <laughs> But like, I really resented it. I really resented the idea that I had to do things a certain way. I really resented if a teacher told me why something I did was wrong and didn't feel wrong. You know, like I, right. you know, and in retrospect, I think I can see, I can give myself the grace of being like, you know, there's a healthy amount of you can't tell me what to do if I feel inspiration that I think is artistic. Hold on you know, to like, forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think there's some of the best stuff that I make now is because of that, a bit of that impulse, you know? Conversely, I think some of the stuff that I lament about myself now is because I couldn't just like take a note and be like, well, maybe just bow to this thing for a little while and maybe take your ego out of what this thing is. And like, if you follow these rules, you don't know what is going to happen to you as a creator, as a person, as a skill, right. as a character. Uh, what? How can your skill set improve by doing that stuff? It's like I, the thing that I thing I always hated was them was like for the UCB style of like say the like name the game you know yeah. like I just like I wanted to be coy I wanted to be real life I wanted it to be like natural you know and just like if you say the thing that's happening I'm like but that's so not real that's so fake and then to slowly realize that by saying the thing the audience got with you right like, maybe even like, your scene partner who wasn't wasn't fully aware either yeah yeah and like that wins you I'm like oh well that like. That really helps. That it really makes the helps. scene funnier by or the reactions are more what you're looking for, and you're yeah. like, "Oh shit, I didn't need it, dude." You're touching on a lot of stuff that means a lot to me. Longtime improv student and teacher here, and I, I always like I was not a good student at all, but I was still always afraid to get in trouble. So I always yeah. pushed the limits of what I could do in the pre-improv. But then even once I got to improv, I'm like, well, here are the rules, but how can I do everything I want to do and play by the rules? And that gave me like a special power, I think a little bit where I was like, okay, I have to yes hand. Okay, I really, we should be uh, peas in a pod here. I should be the voice of reason here. Yeah. And like, but how can I maximize my enjoyment out of? And then I remember later on in classes just having like a grown up moment where I said to myself, I paid for this class. Like <laughs> I, I'm taking a class. Like, and I maybe disagree with what I'm being taught, but 
I am choosing to be here. I don't yeah. have to be here. I could go anywhere else and not yes and. But will yeah. I get the stage time? Will I get the feeling I'm getting that? No, like, and that's and that was like a huge leap for me. And now that's helped me so much in my 40s now, where I'm just like, yeah, I can show up somewhere and buy the ticket, take the ride, and then after the fact, go, not for me, you know what I mean? But yeah, while yeah. I'm here, I decided to go to the haunted house. I'll play along with the rules of the haunted house. You know, like there's something, and that was a adult decision. I like, And I, I started taking UCB classes at like 20 years old, so I was, you know, seven years in before I started to think, maybe I should start taking this seriously or like a grown-up. <laughs> well, but it seems like just by taking the, it seems like you did take the challenge. You're like, I am taking the challenge of what they're telling me and I'm going to treat it very seriously. I'm going to find a way to express myself through it. I think that's the healthiest way to do it. You know, like, right. I think I started doing stand-up because I, I think like I truly, I'm being both harder on my past self than I think is fair. Um, but I do, it's hard not to see, it's hard not to see where you feel like you made a mistake or, you know, hard not to see where you, like, could have been more mature. Um, and I do feel like I started doing stand-up because I knew that something in the improv space, like, wasn't, I wasn't getting my juice. You know what I mean? Like, I, there seems to be, like, the way I really want to be on stage, I have to do something different here. Which And then once I realized that it was a lot more fun to be like, oh, improv is, like, actually not a space for me to be creative. It's a space for me to be present. You know, it's a space to me to be, like, of oh. service, you know, and I think that was really helpful for me. And then stand up became a place of like, well, here I can like throw, I can like figure out, I can force an audience to listen to my like meanderings. You know, like I can be really right. strange and make it work. And if I don't, I'm gonna really suffer. And that suffering is all on me. And I can't play and you're the not game part of, of like, a group there, so you're not like bringing anyone down or you know uh, making anyone feel unheard or anything like yeah. that. You're just yeah. yeah. Or being like, oh, well, they did well and I did bad. Or like, that wasn't bad, but they got it wrong. Like, I did a thing and they just didn't support. You know, like, that was just not a right. healthy way to be. And I think, like, stand up. And, no, when I suffer, I suffer. And I really can learn. And I and that was a challenge I like to, I, I did take. Was like, oh, how do I learn from that? Okay, that, that bombed. But this is funny. <laughs> Let's figure it out. And then when you make it work, it's like, well, then I, I did that. Rather than improv, where I felt like when I did well, I was just like, well, I'm a god. I'm a god. I right, did it. Right. I accessed There's the... too many excuses when it fails because it's so easy to not take, like, when improv fails, you're like, crowd was off, suggestion sucked. Uh, yeah. We didn't really establish where we were. My scene partner was seemed to not be, you know, like, that guy walked on and fucking blew it. Or, you know, I shouldn't have walked on. I was being too convoluted. But when you do stand up and bomb, you're like, okay, you didn't have a joke for that. <laughs> like, oh, it turns yeah. out that thing you thought was funny, you need to take another fucking look at, bro. <laughs> or even just being like, I should have said it slower. Like, yes! I should have paused. You know, like, like that stuff, that got pretty addictive when you're like, because then even if you do really well, you're like, well, I did it right this time. Or you can be like, well, that audience was ready for me because the person before me was so funny in a different way. So right. when I came on, it was very, it's like, it's like it, it feels like even though you are alone, there's something that for me that got a lot more, um, I felt like more humble about it because it felt like I could see what was happening rather than improv. It's like, this is just a grand mystery of like, and you can like go well, with that, the right intentions that, and go with the right, you know, attitude. Right. And go but with the right kind of, and ideally, once it's kind of happening, you're just in the pocket existing in an improv show. And like in stand up, it's easy to like, you know, 
you're like thinking about what you're supposed to say right before you go on. It's not usually 25 minutes. Like, you know, it's frequently like only for 10 and you're like, shit, we have to get to it. We like, you can have like an improv show can start with like eight minutes of bad comedy and you're like, we could still pull this out. <laughs> like, yeah. But if you're eight minutes into a standup set that isn't working, you're like, oh, motherfucker, this hurts. <laughs> like, I, I got four minutes to get one laugh. My only hope is to say, man, this sucks, huh? <laughs> and just get which, people on board that way. <laughs> which is a thrill, I think. I do think, which is like, I feel a little, there's something, uh, there's something about feeling like that alone and being like i had to do it which is like i don't know i'm not saying i like bombing i don't like it but it did no. make, there's like it felt very like i can work pat i can work past i can i can yes it was bad but i can work i can figure it out and i do think with improv it's like well i'm just the i'm either a god or the scum of the earth and right. i didn't know how to like navigate healthily within those spaces also if you can uh if you can handle bombing, if you bomb and it doesn't destroy you, all of a sudden, like, you're like, okay, so I can bomb. Oh, like, yeah, and that yeah. feels like that's weirdly freeing too. Cause you're so, then you're like, well, I'll try this. What if I bomb? Hey, you've bombed. It's, you're alive. It didn't fuck, like, no one even brought it up. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you never heard about it again, except for your own head. And like, that's a victory in and of itself too, with like, it, once you can bomb and know, that there is another day of comedy on the other side. All of a sudden you're like, okay, it's not the end of my world bombing, you know? But like, there's something about improv. If you feel like you did bad, you brought other people down too. Yes. Like, and if you, yeah. if you just do bad doing stand up, you're like, that's on you asshole. <laughs> oh yeah. And then with gaming too, even where it's like, well, if you know, it's like, if you get a bad, if your character does poorly, if you're going to die, if you're going to die in the game, like, cool. You know, like, that's right. cool. Like, it's cool to fail. It's cool to, f it's fun to fail. It's like. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of, like, ego supplanting and, like, uh, learning that, like, you could be very successful by losing or being uh, low status. Like, it does take a, a moment to, like, like, it takes some time to realize that and be like, oh, you could be a millionaire by playing a fucking loser. Like, you yeah. know, like you could be an idiot and make, you know, like there's something it's not success isn't like status. It's not the same in, in art. So there's something yeah. like pow there's something powerfully freeing about that. The second you're like, oh, yeah, I don't have to be cool up here. I don't have to be I don't even have to be liked. If my end goal is just getting them to laugh, I don't have to be liked. And all of a sudden you're like all the normal stuff that goes in your head psychologically when you're in engaging with other people of like, do they hate me? Do they, like the going down to the binary of like, am I getting laughed? Do I, maybe you do need them to like you for laughs, but maybe you, then you learn a, sh a shortcut to get people to like you, you know, like they, yeah, yeah. It, there's something <laughs> yeah, yeah. like powerful about being free of like what you think. I don't, you don't like learning. You don't need to win. Like when you, here's the perfect example. There's been like in the last 15 years, maybe 20 years, there's been like a proliferation of content, comedy content that's game based, whether it's like yeah. what you guys are doing at Rude Tales, what College Humor is doing with Never Have I Ever and all these yeah. like every everyone's doing like these like we performatively play Monopoly and it's funny and you watch it because it's funny doing those 
has broken my competitive spirit in a good way mm. in that I, I used to want to win all the time, like tr bar trivia. It killed me to lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Killed me to lose. Uh, um, actually the first time I played it, but down the road, when you realize winning or losing, we all get paid the $200 for being yeah. here or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, Oh, there's no real prizes. And then it's like, well, you want to, you want to win. But when that wanna win vibe changes to you wanna put on a good show, now you're fucking singing. Now you're in like a fucking, you're in the, I'm gonna bring it back to our original topic. Now you're in the catbird seat. Ooh. Bird. <laughs> bird. I don't know what the expression catbird seat means at all. I've never seen a catbird seat. I haven't heard it in a long time. Don't know what made my brain go there, but it went there. But it's oh. like, the, once you're not a, once you're like, oh shit losing is required for this to be truly funny or like me winning is not important for this. Like that's a fucking freeing fucking thing in a way. And then if you can carry that on with you in life, uh, you'll be, I have yet to do that. I'm still, you know, yeah, no, I can't taking auditions, I mean, I can't hyper personal. No. <laughs> that's my I'm life. <laughs> I'm taking every rejection insanely personal, despite having multiple a week due to my career choices. It's like, but the power is there. The power lies in like, it's just about the fucking end result. Well, I'll say that like one thing about that, that I do think that does carry in your life in a way that is a little, how do I say this? It's like, because of course, yeah, like I think about my failures all the time. I feel failures all the time. Um, but there are moments where it's like, and it's usually when I'm at a party with people I don't know all well and there's different social environments and like, <sighs> I don't know if this is actually a very like, uh, like masculine thing or this uh, like, like a, a weird guy thing. I don't I don't want to gender it like that, but it's usually <laughs> I usually find this in very like literary guy spaces where there is like a a group of literary guys and one person is very loud and they are sort of like doing a almost rehearsed uh, uh, like monologue spiel. about yeah a spiel you know that like you can just sort of tell. And then you're sort of out of the space. And so you like sort of like jump into it for a second and disorients them. And you can tell, see them get mad at you for a second. And you're like, and then you handle that with, and then it's like, sorry, I didn't know that you need to say that whole thing. I guess I'll stay back again. Do you know I'm talking? Have you been in a space like that? I don't know if I'm describing this very well. Like I might very... be the other guy. I might. Oh, really? <laughs> no, no. I'm never mad when people interrupt, but I am the loud. Uh, oh shit! Gabrus is like on th story three in a row. Let let me jump in there. Uh, but I'm never I'm never mad at. But I, I I totally understand what you're, and that's when you realize you're like, am I supposed to give this person this time? Like I guess like. This is like, I guess I come back when they're done. I guess I hang loose and say, that was cool. Yeah. But then also, if you say something a little like self-effacing in that moment and it works, then right. they're like, how did you, you can't do that. And you're like, well, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right, right. I'm trying to escape this, man. And now you've got me trapped in there. Like, whoa, whoa, sorry. Didn't realize it was story time with Tim Platt. And then you're like, hey, asshole. And you're like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm in too deep now. Well, it's kind of like with the sports fandom, too. It's like, I'm just here to enjoy myself. I didn't realize there was sort of like a rule. I, I rooted for the wrong team here. I'm wearing the wrong thing. Like, yeah. And you're mad, but I'm cool with it. Like, there is like, there is, there is power. I've learned in, in like in bombing and learning how to like, play in a uh, a low status position there are some social moments where you suddenly realize 
that you're that you are comfortable in a way that somebody else isn't, and it's because they are suddenly perceiving your low status as like MP, a, a little more uh, effective than their high status. You know yeah. what I mean? I think um, older people like my age, forties and up, would understand that a little bit. Uh, at, uh, from a work perspective, mm. as I meet more and more people in my field, uh, the field of entertainment, who kind of have always been a creator, like from the jump, and have not like yeah. didn't grind for like three years as a PA or struggling taking improv classes or yeah, yeah, like yeah. dying for stage time and like working shit entertainment jobs for you know writing for fucking non union dumb fucking digital shows like. All this stuff that like you you got hardened at, but also grew past. But the, you have that experience of being yeah. the fucking runt, the lowest person uh, on the lowest rung, or whatever. And then when you when your life butts up with someone who's never been that like that before, and you don't realize, like I can like I have peers. Uh, I'm just <laughs> dodging every specific here to save my ass. <laughs> I have peers that are just like. They've been successful from from the jump, more or less, some variation of that, or never really had to struggle due to some uh, uh, head start they had in life, and and like watching them like engage with the world versus me engage with the world, I'm like, oh, you've never had to just shut the fuck up, like you've never had to just be like, well, I guess we'll just eke past this and get out of here, you know, like, and seeing that, and I think I think there's a little bit like. Being low status and even co- performatively for comedy will help you in life in a situation where you're like, well, I'm going to get out of this coffee shop interaction that is too aggressive for me by playing low status because high status will activate this person I'm engaged with that I'm trying to get the fuck away from. And all of a sudden I'm a piece of shit and I'm out of here. And they're like, whoa, you're and like and just being able to do that and then i just have friends and my wife has friends that just are incapable of being like oh i i, I always joke like i had an alcoholic father so i can get out of any interaction i don't want to be in like i am like super powerful I've, since the age of like six i've been like okay dad i gotta go do homework something i never yeah, want to yeah. do but just so i don't have to talk to you about this story that we're on a fucking loop about or you're angry about this bullshit so that skill set carried me through life i just don't think people have i think people are like wait how come i am not just fully in control of this moment and like get, getting that power will it will it makes you a bit more of a survivor <laughs> i think so I think so. Uh, do you should we talk about birds at all? Is this yeah? Let's it, get into let's get into looking at birds. For <laughs> we're coming down the home stretch here at the end. Let's talk <laughs> yeah. a little bit about how does I I'm a big observer of nature as someone who cool. camps and goes to the beach. Oh, cool. never specifically birds. Love animals. Saw a rattlesnake on a hike today in Griffith Park, and it wow. really scared me. One and, of my favorite snakes. Yeah. Top five for sure. Oh yeah, definitely top five. <laughs> I mean, That's, so I, I got into it. I was always very big into nature. I was very into lizards and reptiles and stuff like that um, when I was a kid. I wasn't super into birds in that way. But then I went on tour um, with a children's play um, with uh, Branson Reese and Katie Skelton and Rachel Winitsky. We were doing it for the Story Pirates. And we were going all down the West Coast. It was a really cool tour. It was a really great time uh, with uh, with great people. And... I just like suddenly the I'd never been on tour before and I suddenly realized like if I just pay attention to the way birds are different in every city that we go to, 
that's like something to hold on to in terms of like tracking, you know, touring can be a blur. And that was my first time doing it. And I felt a little like I'm going to all these places. I don't really know what's happening, but like, oh, these birds look different than these ones. You know, this is like the, you know, the Pacific Northwest birds versus like the sort of the Nevada bird like that. And that just got me paying attention a little bit more. And then I just started like trying to look closer. And then my friend who's a, a, she's like an ecologist and she was like, oh yeah, birding means you can be a naturalist anywhere in the world. Because even in the city, there's birds, even every, like everywhere you are. Right. Oh yeah. You could be at sea and there's birds. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that, like, I don't know, as like a kid who was really into nature and like loved it, but didn't really like, I camped, but didn't really, I'm not really a survivalist type of person. Uh, I like, that just felt, oh, a way to access appreciating nature in a way that works. For, it can be a bit obsessive. You can sort of collect stuff. You, like, like everything we're saying with like sports and comics, it's like you're seeing different variations of stuff rather than being a sort of outdoorsman in that way. That is cool. I just like don't have that skill set. And then during COVID, you're stuck in the same spot and like what was changing, but like these flutterings outside and these seasonal changes. And just by paying attention, I was like suddenly seeing more about the world around me. And that was pretty addictive and exciting. And like I and so I got, you know, binoculars and now I go out birding when I can in the morning or when I go on vacation or go to a new spot, I'll bring my binoculars and try to find a space to go out into a natural spot just to see what's around. Um, and it's just become very, like, obsessive a little bit, but it's also, like, very, like, soothing. It's, like, my way of being out. I mean, I go for runs. I like runs. But, like, it's sort of like a way to be outside and not be plugged in and still be sort of very connected. And, like, a reason. Right. And there's, like, a reason, you know? Yeah. It's very – as I get older and uh, the pandemic really spoke to me on this, it's, like, finding a thing that brings you outdoors in life, especially – I mean – I'm sure there are people listening who like work outdoors for a living and are like, fuck you, man. But for a lot of us yeah. who are trapped at computers or uh, on Zooms or at shows at night, like it's easy, like, and living in the city, it's like easy to be like, oh, I'm, I'm like only outside when I'm walking to the subway or something. I'm yeah. like, I'm only waiting till March to like drink a beer al fresco and that counts as being outdoors or whatever. Yeah. And then you're like, oh shit, no, I need like, it's a there's a power in it and i found it in the pandemic because i needed to get out of my apartment my wife was on zooms all the time i was things were a little limited for me so i needed to get the fuck out frequently so i started walking all the time my friends were camping i'm like oh i'll try camping that became very exciting for me cool and then I'm, and then it's like whatever brings you outside is it surfing is it walking is it birding is it skateboarding is it fucking you know uh i i like to go like i the thing I got into in the pandemic was uh, walking to all my errands. Be like, I have to go to CVS. Okay, well, this is going to take yeah, me yeah. three and a half hours because I'm going to go to the far one and do this. And it's like, whatever it takes, it's the dose, the prescription of getting outdoors. When people say shit like touch grass, I know that's become like sort of like a shorthand meme kind of thing. But that shit is real. That yeah. shit is real. See grass. Look at trees. See animals. See, like... We have such an insane ecosystem. Now, even if you live in like a dense urban area, you've got fucking birds, you've got pigeons, you've got rodents, you've got bugs. Like it's and fucking like wild knowledge. out there. And there's knowledge that comes from that that's pretty fun. Like I remember in high school, my friend worked like he like worked at like a tubing spa on the Shenandoah River, and you know, uh, and people got you know people got drunk. All it was a very party job. Um, but he. 
he learned so much about just like rivers, like, oh, these rivulets or the way rivers moved. He like suddenly learned a lot about, um, but like, oh, these, this is this type of flow and this type of, I don't know the words. Like, I don't know the words, you know? Well, but yeah, the, it's not your knowledge. It's his, yeah. but that's fucking exciting. Yeah. The way water moved in these different specific ways is the way I didn't understand. And I remember always being like so envious of knowledge like that, or people who like can look at trees and know the exact type of stuff. Like I don't, or know the right flowers or things like that. Like that type of knowledge is like, I just never, for somebody who loves nature, I never like had a practical way to build that stuff out except reading animal books, like reading zoo books. And like, you can know different versions of tigers that live around the world, but that's like literary knowledge. That's not sort of like being outdoors knowledge, you know, like that's collector right, right. knowledge. Like you can, you can learn different type of animals from zoo books and see, the, uh, but not really experience them as a part of natural, of the natural world. You treat them as, you know, as, as collectors items you know um yeah and being and being in the birds like no i i see this bird this type of year i only see this bird this type of year wait the pigeon flies like that it's actually cool how pigeons fly i'm noticing that pigeons fly in a way that i think is cool just by paying attention to pigeons oh that's that same bird but that's a younger version of the bird you can tell because of how their feathers have grown in. Like that stuff suddenly feels like, and then then you get to the point where it's like, oh, a bird flows, flies by and your friend's like, what's that? Oh, that was just a starling. How'd you tell? Oh, no, it's the shape. You know, like that stuff feels <laughs> like, you know, I always wanted to be like a wild animal. I always wanted to be a wild animal. And this is the closest I've ever gotten in terms of like, Really, well, it makes you feel part. like you're, you're now an animal part of the ecosystem. Yes. Like you, it's not a predatory or prey that you're, you're not like, survival like whoa i need to learn what the starlings are because they'll kill me and you're yeah. not like i need to learn what the starlings are because those are the edible ones it's yeah. you knowing what the starlings are just makes you a facet of the ecosystem you exist in in a way and that's there's something kind of and like it took me moving to southern california and having some more crunchy type friends for them to be like bro we have this here man like you know like yeah and it's like crazy coyotes that's dangerous for little dogs and then you're like but isn't that fucking cool that like it's we live cool. like in the same world as that like there are neighbors and it's like we had a mountain lion that like was famous in la you know what i mean yeah. like 22 like there's stuff like that that's just like oh shit like and today seeing the rattlesnake forgetting that we were talking about birds later i just saw the rattlesnake and i'm like i've never been i mean i'm sure maybe i have i've never seen a rattlesnake that close up that is scary. I'm 41 years old and work in comedy. Not frequently scared in life, with the exception of like the creeping uh, esoteric dread of the sure, end sure, of sure. all things. But like, never acutely frightened too frequently in life. So that was like, I'm like, yes, I'm on a hiking trail in fucking expensive shoes and with like a backpack with my cell phone in it. But this is fucking raw. This felt real, you know, like. That I was like, I ran into a rattlesnake. I was not in fight or flight mode, but that was something that I never experienced before. And like, that's just a light engagement with nature. And that, yes, a starling flight, a rattlesnake, whatever you want, like a uh, squirrel grabs a peanut out of your hand, a fucking uh, bear steals your garbage. Like, these are like, you know, urban adjacent things that you can get involved in but are still connect you to nature, like make you an element of nature. You are engaging directly. You are in part of the ecosystem. They're your neighbors, man. They're your yeah. neighbors, you know? Like I um, 
I, I, I mean, I don't love rats. Like I'm not, I wouldn't pick that. Like I don't, I'm not, not a big obsessed guy. with rats, but I'm not scared of them when I see them. I read this book called rats exclamation point. And it's all about like the relationship between rats and New York city specifically. And one of the things in the book that was um really interesting, that I always think about is that like, there are so many rats underground and that's, there's like a lot more rats underground that we think. And if you see a rat on land, that's a weak rat because that's a rat that couldn't make it underground and underground is where the real rats live, you know, like, oh, and that just sort of made me be and like, look, it's, I'm, I'm sure there could be diseased rats or like feral, rat, you know, um, that's like not, that's not nothing. That's something that you don't want to like go up and touch these wild animals. You don't know, but it may be much less like a oh, rat runs by. I'm not scared. It's just, it's doing its thing and it lives in new york like it's it lives here too it's not doing well because if it did i wouldn't see it you right, know right, like right it doesn't want to be around me like yeah. it, i i'm a predator it's it's scared of me i'm gonna put a fucking trap down i'm gonna fucking murk this thing he doesn't want he doesn't want to engage with me but he just wants a pizza and a flight of stairs you know yeah. just like all other new york rats or even something like seeing a spider like spiders freak me out i don't like like seeing spiders but if i see one in my apartment you know I do think like, well, it's good that they're there. That means there's less flies. Right. You know, like that little stuff like that. Like that's my neighbor. That's what I, that's why I like, you know, I, it's, a, I'm it's, not... a, it's a re it's a re adjustment of a perspective, but it really is freeing. It is it like it, it and feeling that feeling like you're part of something bigger than you rather than everything like serves you. Like there, there's something like, when you see the starling and you're like me and this starling near this fire escape or whatever. And then yeah, you're yeah. like, yes, I am a wildly more advanced species, but zoom out another fucking cup, a mile. And me and the starling are the same fucking dot in a Falcon's eye. You know what I mean? Like zoom, like, like whatever spiritual, you know, like we're just two beings. I, yes, I can read and write and the starling can't, but we are just, passing each other why, why am i better than that that we're all and then and then not to be the fucking you know go uh, for it socal libtard freak here but like that that appreciation of birds all of a sudden makes you appreciate earth makes you go like what are we fucking doing here man like the poor starlings like what? yes you could probably eat like 200 chickens a fucking week and not real like not give a shit but the second you like notice the beauty of a starling you're like are we fucking over the birds with all this like are, yeah how, what are we doing to the animals when we do blank like what are we it doing in nature when we point, do blank yeah. it's an access point to a certain type of environmentalism that i think is very connecting to me as a person who lives in one of the most urban environments and urbanized environments in the world, you know, like it, it is. And like, if I go to like Greenwood cemetery early in the morning to, to bird watch, you know, um, there's something like activity of birds that are doing stuff that are not, that is not in my street, you know? And then I'm like, or if I go to, you know, go upstate or something like that, or quote unquote upstate to all you real upstate heads, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm from Long Island. So we called the Bronx upstate. My wife yeah. is from Westchester. And when my family says, are you going upstate for Christmas? She gets so fucking angry. And we're like, baby, 130th is upstate to us. <laughs> yeah, I think people just got to accept that. You know, if we want to talk about language, we can, because I do think language is incredible. But upstate is a, <laughs> it's a state of mind. But yeah. like going up there and suddenly seeing how birds interact in those you know, wooded areas 
that's also very healing because you can sort of see it in a way and the way you see them connect with each other or fly past each other or like interact with their space it just suddenly it's very humbling i feel very like sort of at peace i feel very like connected i feel very lucky to be able to see it because i feel like i don't see it so often and like it does like clue me in that like there is stuff everywhere that isn't about you know my life and you know it's i, I feel a little frou-frou talking about it like that but i do feel that is like i feel very like... connected to a, a greater thing there and i feel like i language begins to like sort of lose me as i'm in those spots because i'm just like even my voice like, when i'm birding and i'll like, see something like my voice changes in a way it becomes very antisocial, not in the sense that it's like you know, aggressive, but it suddenly becomes very like, I'm, my voice is always, I'm always on, you know, I'm always on when I'm talking to people, my voice, I can hear my voice be on. And suddenly if I'm looking, somebody, I see something like, oh my God, that's a yellow warbler. Oh my, I've never seen a yellow warbler before. Look like that, like that's, that's a, that's a very, that's like an voice. inner monologue. It's an yeah. It's, it's not for people. It's not for public consumption, but you're there because that's where you are mentally. You're not in, yes. you're not in public, you're in nature. Which is like, even if you are at Greenwood Cemetery, you're activating. It's something happened to me not too long ago. Someone said, Well, are you like an outdoorsy guy? And I was like, This was before I started getting into camping. And I'm into car camping, you know, once every two months. So I'm not even like that outdoorsy. I'm just more outdoorsy than I was. But I'm like, No, I'm not really an outdoorsy guy. They were like, Don't you go to the beach every week? And didn't you grow up going to the beach all day, every day, all summer long? And I was like, Yeah. And they were like, <laughs> the beach is, it, and I, I had never felt the beach as nature to me because I was, I yeah. worked at the, I was, I, I was a surfer. I worked as a lifeguard at the beach. We partied at the beach uh, on days off, and the beach was like a family destination. And it was always like, and then I was like, I never saw the beach as nature. But when then someone was like, it's fucking nature, man. And now I have like a whole nother tier of enjoyment when I go to the beach and I watch one bird dive for hours or I watch one wave slowly crest over the sandbar and watch how it develops all the way down. Or I watch one parasailer go by and see like, wow, that's really like a long like now I'm realizing like, oh, this whole time I've been in nature and just never felt. And then I bring that energy to the beach next time I go and I'm enjoying it on levels that I haven't before. And then now I'm like, well, I'm outdoor. I can go camping. I fucking sat at the beach for nine hours. I'm sure I can sit in the woods for nine hours. Just growing up on Long Island, we didn't have like woods or hills or mountains or anything. So I never thought of it like that. Yeah. And I didn't have I had a dad who worked uh, nights. So I never saw. So it wasn't like I had like a camping dad. So I just never had, that was never part of my life. And I just never realized it. But I'm like, the beach brings me such peace, you know, and I think it's just nostalgia and the ocean and people are like, and it's nature. And it's like, and you're <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, I just never connected. And then it meant so much. And then when you can find and like all that to say, like thesis statement for me talking about you watching, uh, looking at birds, that's a way to find nature literally anywhere. Like, oh, yeah. You, and like. It, you know, like if you fucking ladybug lands on your hand and you, but you're in, you know, you're on the 33rd floor of the Empire State Building, that's a fucking dose of nature right there. Like that's like that's that's Earth. You know, what well, I mean? so that's pretty I'll, weird. I'll say two things about that. One, I've I've said recently that, like, if you are a fan of animals in the time of uh, in the, uh, if you are a fan of animals in the time of climate change, you better learn to get into bugs. 
because that's what we're that's that's they're gonna be around. So like noticing that stuff. <laughs> if you're and a fan of I'll, eating in the time of climate change, you better get into bugs. As yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. But about the beach, which is like a you know, it's a shared space. I like, you know, I love the shorebirds. I love a pelican is one of my favorite birds. You know, the variations of gulls are really cool. And like, you can always see cool stuff there. Um, but I can't bring my binoculars to the beach because people don't know you're looking at birds. Yeah. They don't know. And so like, if it is a thing I've like, I had to learn this where I was like, this, if this makes one person uncomfortable, it's like not a good thing because it, it is a shared space. It is a natural right. space, but it's also a social space. But you ha you can't be antisocial. Oh, yeah, because you can be antisocial on the beach. But like you, I can't like. You can't I'm live straight, as though I, no one else is around you. You can't yeah. be like, yeah, you can't blast your music. You can't fucking have your dong out. Like there are some regulations because there are other people there. And it would not be crazy for a fucking creep to look at people in bathing suits with binoculars. Like that's not no, that's a crazy not thing to happen. Yeah. So yeah. why I can't be like, no, don't they understand? I would never do that. I'm looking at the animals. Like it's they it's it's uh It's funny. We we talk we talk my wife and I always talk joking not really jokingly, but we always say like things that are low-key male privilege and low-key female privilege, because we're sure. both cis hats. So it's like for us, we're just constantly saying shit like me going jogging at night or camping solo is male privilege. Sure. And I like, I always joke that it's 300 pound male privilege of like, <laughs> uh, uh, like I'm a, I'm also a large person, but she passed me binoculars. She brings binoculars to the beach. Cause she, she likes to like spot animals out in the ocean and she passed them to me. And I go, babe, look at my face. Yeah. Can I can, I cannot be looking through binoculars at the beach. And I'm like that. Is female privilege. Yeah. You can be looking through binoculars. No one's going to think you're creeping. I have resting creep face. I'm like hairy and fat. Like I just look like a guy who's up to no good if you put binoculars around my neck. And just imagine if you saw something that got you excited. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hey, sir. I'm like, no, it's the seagull behind your daughter. Yeah. Like, like no. <laughs> okay, man. Pepper spray right into my fucking binox. <laughs> but I, I like that too, because then that lets you enjoy birds in, in not your normal way, too. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like that's kind of a that's kind of fun too. Like, all right, well, how do I bring my love of birds and looking at them to this current situation, which doesn't I'm not allowed to use my normal tools or my normal avenues. And that like that that's really, I, I have have an appreciate. I'm like retroactively having an appreciation for things like I didn't realize what I was doing was like so enjoyable. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm yeah. retroactively getting more enjoyment out of like, yeah. Remember that time you fucking smoked a dube and like watched a pelican dive for like two hours? And I was like, that you know that seemed like a waste of time at the time, but now it feels like beauty that I like. I, I'm so happy I got to see it. Yeah. This is exactly why I said looking at birds, not bird watching, because bird watching and birding are like a thing, you know? Right. Like you, that's taking your binoculars and going to spots and like trying to see things and recording what you see or being involved in like a greater, almost like scientific or like categorization process, which I think is cool and I think is awesome. And like, I'm, I, I like it. That's why I do it. But I'm also about just like seeing it. Like what's by what's by you? What's in your path? What can you look at when you are you are you have to sit that one day in jury duty and you have to go out right. of the courtyard for a while? Well, what's around? You know, like you know, what's uh, just paying being open, 
being opening up your attention to observe what is like happening around you in that way in that when in the i mean in a in a naturally focused way because you can like i mean i have people watch i like eavesdrop i like all that stuff too right but it's that's that's less of like a a task for me or right. you know that's just like a, that's just a thing that happens and then being like no i'm outside well what's around oh i'm seeing ruffling up there oh and because i'm like a little more trained now i can hear a little with a little more clarity oh that's that kind of bird that's that. you know what's an interesting thing um i i'm not great at identifying bird calls but i've like a little trick to do is just wherever you're going listen to birds and look at what is making the sound more often than not it will be a sparrow right more often yeah. than not it's gonna be a sparrow around and then slowly you will learn you'll hear wait that sound that's not a sparrow right you'll what? start to be able to differentiate rather than like the white noise like it'll be like able to pick up that it'll be like the version of like now i hear the song that's on the car in the radio like that's yeah. on the uh that, that car is blasting normally i just hear music as the car drives by but now because i'm adjusted to i'm i'm hearing the actual song and that's really yeah. interesting yeah wait that's not the fray because you everywhere yeah. you're going i'm hearing the fray Can't people Everywhere, be blasting I'm... the fray <laughs> <laughs> but then you start being like wait that's not the wait what is that song that's not the fray yeah um oh uh, that's uh, also something we're not we're, we're not saying and i don't think we're like dancing around it but like unsaid is like looking at birds if you're sitting in nature sitting outside and you're looking at birds it does mean you're not looking at your phone and yeah no and like for me true. that's like a big victory but part of the main reason i go to the beach is because it is the one place that when i have my phone in my hand and i'm looking at it i go the fuck are you doing looking at your phone you're at the beach yeah. like i won't do that almost i'll look at my phone at fucking concerts you know what i mean i'm like what the fuck am i doing on my phone right now i paid yeah. to be here and it's like that that energy of like, all right, I'm going to like when you were saying like waiting at jury duty or like sitting outside at, on a bench waiting for a friend to get out, you know, or you're like waiting for and you're just the fact that you don't default, take your phone out and scroll and you just stop and look up at the fucking sparrow or the J or whatever. Like that shit is fucking that's rich. That's like that shit that's like psychologically good for you. <laughs> and to connect it to what we were saying before, it is because it's like it gamifies things a little bit, to be honest, where it's like there's a reason for me to look outside because I want to see what can I see right. It's like it, what's around here, you know, and I see that. Well, if that's around here, maybe something else is around here, too. Or like, you know, like, oh, I saw that. OK, now I'm really paying attention because there's, there's something going on. There's something going on in this area. So it is like. There is like a sort of dopamine aspect of like seeing the thing and knowing the thing or seeing the thing and not knowing the thing and be like, I can figure out what it is later. You know, like yeah. look in my books, uh, like I can, you know, you can't look in your phone, but it's funner to look in the books, I think, to be like, what is, I don't know what that type is. So I can look at, oh, it's almost, oh, that could have been a mockingbird or a blue jay. Well, now I just got to see it. Now I got to keep looking to see if it's. See if I can figure it out. Like, yeah. there is, it, it's, you're not completely free of this sort of like dopamine um incentive but at least it's not a phone one you know and right like it, yeah like, but that's that's the thing like and it's whatever i need to be on my phone less so whatever works for me what if you if you if you don't sure. think you need to be on your phone less fucking oh, let I, it rip just play but if you if you're the person like finding that shit that like gets you off of it gets you out of the screen gets you off movies or video games and just lets you engage 
in the world in a different way, that's rich. That's worth it there. Even if it is like, I never write down, I don't know any of these birds. I saw a cool big black one today. I saw a small gray one yesterday. Even if that's like the maximum you're doing, that's going to be more enriching for you than almost anything else. (laughs) And it builds without you doing anything. I saw that black one before. I'm pretty sure it's a crow. Someone told me that it's actually a raven because it's bigger than crows. Oh, okay. I thought it was a crow, but now I realize it's a rape. Like that's that. And then is... a day later, you're like, "That's a crow." Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. Now I've seen a crow and a raven this week. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like that type of stuff is really addicting, and like you just just by paying attention, you build knowledge and you build sort of like excitement a little bit. You know. Yeah. That's wait. That's a robin. Okay. Wait. What's that thing? That's a. Th- that's a that's not a robin okay i i don't know the, i don't know what i don't know the specific this is killing me that i can't kill you the specific of what's not a robin i can't find that perfect bird reference <laughs> fuck all right edit this all out please protect me <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean this is part of it too it's like i'm not here to be an expert i'm not an expert. i just appreciate being on like the the path of paying attention to the natural world right and that's 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 like the level of fucking commitment we're looking for here at high and mighty this is the kind of like no one's an expert but it's intriguing um and speaking of intriguing why don't Mm -hmm. you tell my listeners you know uh this is the plug portion of high and mighty where can people uh where can people find you and what you're doing over at rude tales and otherwise so uh, I'm a cast member on the podcast Rude Tales of Magic on the HeadGum Network, and then I can uh, and I'm also a cast member on the podcast Oh These Those Stars of Space, uh, produced by Bucket of Milk. And uh, I also did a podcast years ago at uh, Forever Dog called Hampton High, the Hampton High podcast. I still am proud of those episodes. Hell yeah! Um, so you can listen to them. It's like a the whole premise was a. You know, I, it's me. I'm Hampton. I'm a, I'm a junior in high school, and I'm talking to Rockville Preps, most interesting school staff, and all the above. You know, and <laughs> comedians come on and pretend to be characters. Um, I'm a comedian in New York, so follow me on Instagram at I am King Bozo. That's my Instagram. Um, I had a project where I like made little cards anonymously, anonymously and gave them out to strangers and called myself King Bozo, and then got it's over stuck. the anonymity thing. Um. <laughs> And then on Twitter, I am Timothy Platt, but I don't know. We're not talking about Twitter, but I don't even know if that's a place I am anymore, but I'm no, there. I, I have guess. it. Yeah. Add me. I promote on there. Yeah. I promote on there to see shows. So if you want to come see me perform. Um, that's the spot. And uh, yeah, I don't know when this is coming out. I've got some shows this summer, but I don't this know. This will come out, out towards uh, in August. So uh, get get hyped. Uh, get Search them out. Uh, you can probably uh, open up the show notes of this and have Rude Tales and Tim's Twitter and whatever linked right here, his website, cool. whatever. Just click it and find them there, motherfuckers. That's the way. <laughs> cool. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciated this conversation. Thank uh, you. I, I enjoyed myself. I am going to... I have a squirrel that comes to my office window that I can look at. Now I'm going to start trying to keep an eye out for some birds as well. I'm going to fl- open up my uh, my my beauty and the beast lifestyle here and, and meet more, meet more animals in my, in my neighborhood. I recommend buying a cheap pair of binoculars and just put it in a spot in the window that you do tend to see stuff. And there's like, get in the habit of trying it out. It'll, it'll open, it'll open up a, it'll open, it'll, oh, since you mentioned beauty and the beast, it will open up a whole new world. <laughs>
which I recognize is a, a different song. movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, so I, but you I know, I'm, even... I'm still circling. I'm close. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm cut from the improv team? Fuck. Okay, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I just do think that is funny. Since you mentioned Beauty and the Beast, there's a whole new... <laughs> I'd like to take you for a magic carpet ride. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I get it, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, you know, I have Action Boys, uh, my other podcast. Check us, check me out there, actionboys.biz, and 101 Places to Party Before You Die. Now on Max, still on Max, question mark? Who knows? Uh, we're recording uh, a lot of High and Mighties in advance, so maybe the website has crumbled, or at least we've they found out we're a tax break to destroy us. So we'll find out soon enough. Bye, shitheads! That was a headgum podcast. In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. <laughs> it's actually, it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> no. Somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to, like, see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Oh, there's a fantasy component. There's some sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. You wake up after a few years and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. What? I don't hate them, but I've been in a room. Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action, boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now.